welcome back to Awkward and Black Guys. It's been a good oh shit, just two weeks now. We're, on, we're, on, we're, on, we're actually on par. This is this is good. We got some momentum going, man. We have um a guest for you guys again, a friend to the room, <sighs> Mr. Rich. Mr. Rich never misses a month, Chang. Mr. <laughs> Rich, Mr. Mr. Rich Arkin, when it comes to training, when it comes to his DJ career. This is this is this is a guest I've been waiting to have for a while. So this is gonna be it, it's gonna be a long podcast. Maybe maybe not. I hope it is. I usually like a long podcast. Uh, Mr. Sneaker Source Toronto. Rich, yes, how you feel, man? How you feel, man? <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks for that intro, bro. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, I, I feel great, man. I feel great. I can't uh, can't wait to share some uh, interesting interesting stories. With you, for sure. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that, man. Honestly, man, when I do these interviews, I like to start from the very beginning. I like to make them a little biographical, just in case anything happens. We can always look back, and you can have this footage and the culture, and we can have this footage as well. So I personally know you. We used to work together. I won't go into detail about certain things, but we used to work together, so I personally know you. Um, I know that uh, you weren't born here. You were born in Brazil. Then you came to Canada, so that's kind of one of where I, where I want to start it, man. Let's start there. Yeah, no, um, yeah, let's start there. So, um, actually, this is gonna this is gonna be a mind blowing fact right here. Okay, okay, so I like facts. Let's I, go. Yeah, yeah. So, when people ask me like, where are you where are you born, right? Like I say, Brazil. Actual fact, I was born here. So went to Brazil, grew up there. Like my first language is Portuguese, so I grew up like in the Brazilian culture. My mom was Brazilian, so when people ask me where are you from, I just say Brazil because that's all I know from when I was a kid. And um, even though I was born here, I was my whole life is Brazil from when I was a kid, and that's all I remember. So that's why I say it, and I don't want to explain to everyone like the whole process. Honestly, I've I've known you for about going on two years now. I've never heard this part of the story. I feel like you've told it to me in pieces, but it really does make sense, though. Um, for everybody who doesn't live in Toronto, this story is very normal. It's not yeah. an uncommon story to us. Like, um, my parents both migrated here, and then they met here and then had me. But most people, it's usually a situation where, like, one parent migrates, and then they visa the other one over, and then they have the kid, or they have the kid in the country, and then one migrates, and the other one comes over. So, like... That story is, it's its normal here, right? That 90 Day Fiance type of story. It's very normal here, but I never knew yeah. that. Um, okay, so your mom is Brazilian mm. and your dad is Jamaican Chinese. Yep. But, that makes um, sense. Yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah, he's, uh, it's one of those, it's like Chinese people that speak Patois. I no, 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 I, I know, I'm well aware. I'm well aware. Okay, trust okay, me, trust okay. me. Yeah, yeah in, in, in Trinidad and Guyana, if basically outside of like black people, it's like Indian people that speak Trinidad Creole, right? Yeah. And then Jamaica has a high population of Chinese people. And then I think okay. every country has their thing. I think Barbados, Barbados has a high population of like old Irish people, but they old speak Ar like, Yeah, old Asians. Irish people, yeah. Who, so like, yeah, we Asians. all got that. <laughs> yeah, okay, 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 okay. I respect, I respect that. I respect that. But you grew up with your yeah. stepdad your, your whole life, who's also Brazilian. So you were like engulfed in the Brazilian culture, because you were you were raised there, and then both your parents who were with you your entire life are Brazilian, so you're, you're more Brazilian than anything else. Yeah, exactly. First language, Portuguese, yeah. went to ESL, did the whole, you know, the whole, the whole, like, immigrant kid thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wait, when did okay. you come back to Canada? How old were you? Oh, yeah, when I came back, I was uh, in grade three. 
Okay. So I was so already definitely yeah. yeah. They put you in ASL yeah. shit. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I, all I knew how to say was yes and no. Oh. <laughs> like people would ask me like what's what my name was and i'd be like yes like i didn't even that's all i knew like people would be like oh do you wanna like it wasn't even a yes or no question but i would just say yes or no. <laughs> yo that's that's so real remember like every year there would always be like a freshy kid they were usually yeah. caribbean sometimes they were african if they were south american yeah. i never really met anybody from brazil it was usually like uruguay paraguay peru it was like the southern more countries right but yeah okay okay i can yeah. see that i can see that i can see that <laughs> okay okay so then when yeah. you moved here you guys lived in etobicoke first right toronto right um yeah so um yeah so we started like sort of started our build, building our way up so when we came here um you know just like all um, immigrant families like you know kind of struggling a little bit didn't have a lot of money we actually lived on uh it's like college street um college and Lansdowne area ish mm -hmm. um and uh, we we actually lived in the back of like this uh, portuguese um uh barbecue place so you know how like they have those houses on top of stores yeah like in, yeah. in yeah. toronto yeah yeah exactly so we lived like in the back of like one of those um till grade six and then that's when like my dad started like you know working into construction building up some money and stuff like that and then um in grade uh in like middle school that's when we started like he was more settled in mm -hmm. um so that's when like we moved again and then we got like a, a nice like an actual house and then that's when we started like um you know becoming more like into the whole canadian culture sort of thing and yeah okay and correct me if i'm wrong it's it's you and you have a younger brother right is, is there more siblings two younger brothers two. Two younger brothers, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. How how far apart? So they're closer in age. Um, the one, the middle one is uh, he's twenty five. He's born in ninety five. I don't even know how old. I just can't do quick math. But uh, he's uh, he's ninety five, and then um, the other one's ninety eight. So okay. I'm like the older brother. That's like you know they respect me and like, but they don't like cross that line with me because I'm yeah. just like I'm just too like the age gap is too much. Where it's like yeah, yeah. they yeah, can't be like yeah you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah so they're they're always like super close with each other and I was just more like the guidance sort of they ask me for advice sort of brother you know like mm. one of those sort of things nah I, I had the same thing like me and my brother are two years apart I'm the youngest and then my older older brother like he's like 14 years older than me so it was like <laughs> we would play around with it but it wasn't the same like me and my brother that's two years apart like we have the inside jokes we curse at each other we go in i don't think i've ever cursed at my older older brother like he was like a brother he was like a parent so we couldn't like yeah. you know what i mean really like we never fought him or nothing we just fight each other but, at least you have okay, that okay. my older brother is 12 years older than me and then my sister is six years older than me oh wow so like I didn't I didn't even have that I was always by myself because <laughs> I didn't, they didn't play with me because they were so much older, and then my my parents are divorced and my dad is remarried and then he has a daughter with my stepmom and I'm ten years older than her, so she's oh, wow. twenty two and I'm thirty two. Mind you, I have oh, wow. I have more siblings as well. Like <laughs> the I have another huge. I have two yeah. other sisters that are like my other two sisters. They they could be my parents. They're that much older than me. So yeah, I feel mm. still. So. Okay. Okay. So, so hold on. Are are you the only brother that's that's half Jamaican? Yeah. So my brothers, my two other brothers, um, because we went that's, to Brazil. That, that's your dad's kids. That's my step uh, kids. my stepdad's kids. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, because okay. we went there so early, and it's just like my my mom started a whole, a whole family there as well. So, no, nah, that makes sense. My, that makes my, sense. Yeah. Do you, do you ever miss Brazil, man? Do you ever do you ever miss like actually when you were living in Brazil? Like, were you living near the beach? Were you living in the city? Were you living in the country? Because like we're from we're from the Caribbean, same region too, and it's like my family, yeah. my Jamaican family lives in the country. Or did live in the country. Yeah. My Trinidadian family, they live in, in the city. So where were you living? Was it country, city? Like where where was it? What type of vibe was it? The beach, what type of vibe was it? Yeah, so I'll use um Rio de Janeiro as like a reference point, because that's where everyone knows in Brazil. So I live mm -hmm. um a couple hours, like I'd say the distance from here to Montreal, same thing. Six to eight hour Shit. drive. Okay. Um on the coast. So yeah, we're right at the beach. Like I, I grew nice. up walking that's distance cool. to the beach. <laughs> nice. Um Man, it was just, I I still uh, say this to, like, uh, my wife and everyone else. I'm like, if I can move back to Brazil, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Um, miss it every day. Miss it every every time we have eight months of winter. Um, <laughs> it's just, I, I can't get used to this winter. Like, no matter how many years go by, it's yeah. just, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, like, if I if I had a steady job and, like, my finances were good over there, I would definitely move uh, back for sure. Like, no question yeah, which... Or just being able to work remote and just the time would be probably probably pretty much the same, really. Uh, yeah, I could see that. I could see. Maybe that. one day okay. you'll own a property back home and you can travel between the two. Yeah, we're 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 actually looking at that. We're buying like a vacation spot just so That's we nice. have somewhere to go. But like, do you guys have the similar similar experience um, where back home it's like no one has that much money, but they're so happy. Right. And it's just yep. like, cause yep. no one, no one, yes. no one values money. Like over here, here's just about money, working, working money. And yep. there's no time for play. And all here is all about, you know, social status and all that stuff back home. It's like, you'll see a homeless guy, but or not even a homeless guy, just a guy that's like really poor, but he will make the most of his life. He's so happy all the time. There's no stress and he makes do that's with what so he true. has. And that's Honestly, like rich. <laughs> Rich, we got we got to bring you back for a regular episode because we talked about this like two weeks ago, yeah, and I was saying the same thing. Like, <laughs> like I got to that point where I was I was telling Brittany, I'm like, man, like I feel like, mind you, I've grown up my whole life here. Like I've traveled other places, but I've grown up my whole life here. This is all I know is Western society, whatever, whatever it is. But it's just like I was telling her the other day. Like I got to that point where I was just like, man, like I feel like I put my ambition in front of everything my entire life, right? Where like it kept me from doing certain things, put my mindset at a certain pace, didn't allow me to appreciate certain people unless you were doing the same thing as me. Like it's just a very ethnocentric view. And it's only been like ever since COVID started that like everything shut down and you kind of have time to really think and breathe that I've realized that like, bro, the main goal is not money and wealth and status. It's just happiness, bro. If you can find her happiness, you're like, you're in, it's, it's, it's great. Like I was telling Brittany, I'm like, man, like I was doing like a function of it, but I was just like, man, people who are middle-class seem to be like the happiest because when you are broke, you're always, I'm talking about in Canada, when you are broke, it's like, you're always struggling to pay the bills. So with that, there's going to come depression. There's going to come anxiety. It's going to come yeah. issues when you are rich your whole relationship becomes about the wealth. Even when it comes to your kids, your kids are waiting for you to die. They're just like waiting for that bag, right? So so like there becomes that situation where it's the same thing, right? But when you're middle class and like, mind you, middle class and you're able to sustain certain things that you want in life, whether it's to travel, put your kids in programs, pay for their school, whatever it is, right? But when you're at that level, you seem to be the most happiest. Like you kind of just go to work, you come home, you take care of your business. You know what I mean? There's nobody that... There's no one that's only around you because they want something from you. 
because you can't give anything, right? And then it's like you're not worrying about paying bills day to day. So, but I agree with you, man. When I've been to, I've been to um, Trinidad for family. I've been to Jamaica for family. Me and Brittany went to uh, Mexico and Cuba for each of our yeah. 30th, respectively. And it's just like, you go over there and it's like, mind you, there are people that work on the resort for tips or they want money because they know that we have it. I get that. But like the regular common people, like they're just so happy. They're happy. Just like, just like being able to party or just being able to see someone they like. And it's like, yeah. when I was looking at it, I'm like, man, the last time I really felt like that was when I was a kid. Because when you're a kid, these social pressures, they don't mean anything to you. But since then, it's like, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I agree with you. It's a different type of life. It's a better life, man. Yeah. It's yeah, it's, uh, this is a, there's a lot more pro, there's a lot more cons than pros, but. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's the bad. There's the bad. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> well, there's yeah, good so, and bad to everything, man. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So then, man, you, you moved to Brampton. Um <laughs> We're not gonna spend too much time here, but um, how how was it moving from <laughs> You're like? Brampton sounds so terrible. We're not gonna spend I'm too not, much time not, here. But like, <laughs> I grew up in Brampton. I feel like there's it's, there's not a lot of good memories. It's the same shit. I understand what he's called. I know what he's gonna say already. But how was it moving from Toronto to Brampton? Like, how was that structure and how was kind of growing up in Brampton and being a part of the Brampton culture? How was that as well? Yeah. Um, so yeah, from grade seven to sorry from grade seven to eight in toronto and then um from grade eight to nine had that transition to brampton and you know as you know like all the middle school kids in elementary school when you move from that uh, from grade eight to nine you move over to all the same high school you guys are all the same friends or whatever so yeah. um uh, more difficult for me because I, I came into a brand new city brampton was just like so new at that time so like van kirk in that area was still under development yeah. dirt roads sort of thing like yeah, yeah. so um move I, I remember going and like obviously i had no friends because uh you know i moved to a different city so everyone had, had their clicks and stuff like that and i remember the only thing i i could do was just play ball and stuff like that so um on on my lunches uh i would just grab like a rent out a basketball and just go outside and play by myself and then Eventually, that's the easiest way to uh, get to know people because a lot of other people are playing ball as well, right, on their lunch. So then connected that way, met some friends. Um, but yeah, like it was, uh, it was, it was whatever because I, you know, I went to Heart Lake Secondary School and uh, yeah. it's, not, it's not one of the greatest uh, schools, but um, it had great teachers and I met great friends there. So um, yeah, no, it was, it was good. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know, I don't know if I told you this, Justin, but I was like super, super, super religious, mm -hmm. um, like major, like went to church four days a week, yeah. um, because, because I played instruments as well. Mm -hmm. I played like the saxophone and the drums. So, um, during my high school life, I was pretty much like a, um, sort of like more of an introvert kid that like, um, dug himself into sports, um, and like his school. And also like my uh, my faith as well. So I was like in the youth group. Um, I I played for the youth band. I played for the the band at my main church. So that that took up four days of my week. And um, I was I was so serious with like religion and my faith that I would like preach to people at school, like and and tell them oh, about shit. the word of tell them about the word of God and like tell them about you know how it can help and all that stuff and. Yeah, it was like that. That was like my my high school sort of thing. It wasn't really adventurous. It was just me like playing a shitload of sports. Like I was in four different teams every year. 
Um, but then, yeah, it was just th those two things, man. I didn't really talk to girls. I was, I was shy, like really shy, like super shy. Like it wouldn't seem like it now, Justin, but like, no, no, I was, I was shy too. Like, yeah, I yeah. was, if you go back to like grade, I would say like, like right before like grade 10, I was really shy. And then even in like grade 11, I was kind of, I think what broke me out of the shyness was like, I started living newspapers and like grade seven, eight, but I started really working in grade 10, like at jobs, right? So now I'm meeting girls that are like outside of my school, outside of my street, I guess, right? I'm working at Swiss Chalet, whatever, whatever. And I think like the attention is what kind of made me more confident. Cause before that I was shy as shit. I remember the first time a girl ever spoke to me. I was like, she asked me for the number at like Silver City in the movie theater. <laughs> and I remember my boys, right? We all came with our pen and pads. You remember this flex? And we're all like, no, yeah. you talk to her. No, you talk to her. Ain't no, no one gonna say shit. We ain't say shit. And she comes, the girl goes up to me and she's just like, oh, you're cute. Can I get your number? Me and my dumb ass. I'm like, me? Oh, wow. You want my number? Yo, the girl, I'm sitting there, I'm like, like, I don't got a phone, I just got a home number, but if you call me, just ask my mom for me. Yo, the, the girl wow. got my number, she never called my shit, bro, it was, it was bad. It was bad. To be honest, like, my confidence didn't really peak until, I don't know, maybe, maybe like, maybe like college. I want to say like, end of high school, really, but not till college. And, and that be, like, throughout high school, I was very quiet. Anybody mm. that knows me from ND, like... I wasn't it's hard there. to envision popular, either of you as shy. Very, yeah, I was I was right. very much in the middle. <laughs> it's very like, hard. I was right. I was not a talkative kid. I would just come in and I would crack jokes, but that was it. Like I was just See, I was just there. I was the opposite of you guys. I was never a shy kid. I was I was so much energy that most people used to get intimidated by my energy because I'd wobble like, hi, I'm Brittany. What's your name? Do you want to hang out? Do you want to play? Like I <laughs> it was like oh, I was on something. <laughs> I didn't I always was in people's faces. <laughs> and I really? always used to try, yeah, because I anytime if a kid was really shy, I used to want to interact with them more because I was like, no, come and hang out with me. Come and play with me. Meet my friends. Let's do that. Like I wanted them to feel yeah. included, but also yeah. because of me being the youngest, I never had anyone to play with at home. So I played with everybody else. Yes. <laughs> so I that used to be sense. a lot of energy yes. and I used to drag these poor shy people <laughs> to play with me. And <laughs> honestly, I feel like I was, I feel like they were like, if I say no to her, she's not going to leave me alone. Because yeah, I'd be like, yeah. let's hang out. But then also, I was also this person who, if a person didn't want to do something, I'd leave them alone. But if they got picked on, that used to drive me nuts. <laughs> I used to literally okay. be like, why are you being so rude to somebody? And I used to be like in the kids' faces, yeah, I never liked protecting the, the shy people because I didn't want them to get picked on just because they were more introverted, which is yeah. funny because I became introverted as an adult. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. I was an extroverted child and became introverted as an adult. No, I I was I was an introverted kid. And to be honest, all of my friends at the time, we were all introverted. It was like a group of introverted kids. So it kind of, nobody was pushing yeah. each other to do anything. And then like, now it's different. Like one of my friends is a cop, the other, you know, they're all out here, but let's just like, yeah. To be honest, when I got to my twenties, I became like overly extroverted. Like I was trying to overcompensate for the years I was introverted. And now I'm like, I'm in the middle. Like I'm really a natural introvert, but I can be extroverted if I have to be. But I like, I like just being by myself. I actually mm -hmm. do it. I have no issue with it, man. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I can. I, I like being by myself too. I don't have to be like around people all the time. Yeah. Like, like my my brothers are the complete opposite. Like they they need to have like you know people over and their friends over all the time. Like I I'm like, eh, like I'll just I'm good about myself as well for most of the time. But like everyone has their own things, right? 
question for the room. Do you feel like the introverts are winning during COVID because like we're okay being inside? Yes. It's not really affecting us. You know what I mean? While the yes. extroverted people, yes. and I get it from their point of view. It's like, if you're extroverted, like your happiness comes from being around other people. So being inside makes you depressed, but they're like forcing themselves to go to festivals, vacation, go here, and they're catching yeah. it. I'm just like, yeah, I'm at home, bro. Yeah, 100%. 100%. We don't we don't but, mind staying locked up and like like no. by ourselves like we're good. Yeah. No, like, I don't exactly. I don't mind it. Nice. It is. Yeah. But man, you you gave me a great segue and I'm I'm gonna work with it. So um, you said that you used to be used to be very religious. Um, yeah. how would you say you are now? Are you saying you're very religious? Are you saying you're more moderate? Or are you saying you're um, on the other side of it where you're just not religious as a as as a whole? Um, well, because I know like you know, the, the Bible and I know the word and all that stuff. Um, I know that it's better to be either cold or hot. Um, it's not good to be kind of warm um, in, in, in terms of your faith. So I don't like to be that guy that, you know, parties on a Saturday, goes to church on a Sunday, you know, goes to church, whatever, three times a year mm. and, uh, you know, act like it's all good. And I'm doing, you know, like other shit that doesn't, you know, mm -hmm. it's not, that's, that's, it goes against the whole thing. So for me, it's like I if I'm not fully in it, then I'm not going to I'm going to step away from it and be fully out. So um, I would say right now I'm, I'm definitely just like on the colder side, um, okay. just because I can't commit to and my faith is not as strong as it used to be. But I do still have faith. I believe in God. I believe in you know Jesus Christ. But um, it's definitely yeah, it's not at the level where it used to be. And I don't know if it will go back. But yeah, it's just uh, yeah. It, it might go back. I'm I'm in the same boat as you, uh, Brittany. I feel like you're in the same boat as well. So it, it yeah. might. You never you never know. You never know. Yeah. But never when know. it comes when it comes to um when it comes to religion and marriage. So I know that uh, you recently got married to your beautiful wife. Uh, so yeah. how did how did again. congratulations? <laughs> how did how did how did that come about? Like how did you guys meet? Um, how did how did that all how did that all come come down? How did you know that she was the one? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you guys, you guys would have been invited, by the way. So my our apologies on that. We couldn't uh, invite you guys, but um, because okay. of COVID okay. and everything. Okay. But um, yeah, it, it was. It is what it is. But um, yeah. So so at that time, I was like on my savage mode. Like I was partying. Like no tomorrow. So what? Like I'll, I'll go back a little bit. Just what happened to get to that phase? Because I, I feel like it's important. But. Okay. When I turned 19 years old, this is when like I sort of shifted from, you know, Angel, Richard, you know, introvert to all of a sudden drinking for the first time ever, smoking weed for the first time ever, um, and, and dabbling and, and going to parties and all that stuff. So I completely did a 360. Like people that met me in high school and then met me after and see me for a couple of years are like, who the hell are you? <laughs> like, you're just, just, yeah, like there's like you're going off whatever so i had um there was a few years between like my ex and and where i broke up with her and then um i uh, i was like partying super hard like partying hard djing i was in that um underground dj scene um you know partying almost three four times a week like just going crazy like just enjoying i joined single life you know and um i met becky when it was like unexpected like I wasn't even, it was, it was when like Tinder just came out. It was like a couple, it was like a year after Tinder just came out. It was pretty new. It was a pretty new platform. Like I was just yeah, like, you know what? Let me, let me try this thing. There's nothing to lose. Like, 
even even if I was single today, I'd be I'd still be on Tinder because it's like some people have that negative connotation about Tinder and online dating apps, but it's like yeah. why are you limiting yourself, right? If you're trying to find a partner eventually, why are you limiting yourself because of what you think people will think of you when if you meet famous. someone on Tinder? Yeah. Like what what do you have to lose? Like what do you really have to lose? Someone's gonna be like, ha hi, you met someone on Tinder? No. Like you know, you know, people have to realize, man, it's like when you're young and you're because I remember this to myself when I was single. When you're in school, like let's say post-secondary school, college, university, or when you're working in a place like the mall, it's easy to meet people because you're in these social environments. Yeah. Once once I left university college and I wasn't working in the mall, I wasn't meeting women. Like it was just like unless I worked with you, I would meet you, or unless I was clubbing every other weekend, I would meet you. But it wasn't the same as when, like, you know what I mean? So when you get to that yeah. level, the only way you're ever gonna meet people is if you go online, or else it's not really gonna happen. So I agree with you. Yeah. And um, another thing why the app was so good for me as well is just because like my life was so hectic at that time. It was either I was partying hard or DJing every weekend because I was like on my DJ thing on Toronto Club. So I didn't have time for really a dating life. It was just like, you know, meet someone, whatever. Like I didn't have time to like go on dates or whatever. So I'm like, you know what? Let me go on this thing. If I, you know, I'll, I'll, I want a couple of dates, see what happens. And that's when like, yeah, I, I matched with, uh, with Becky and we decided to go for a coffee um mayfield, mayfield in here ontario justin so just okay so you're, there's a there's that tim hortons right there on the corner so mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and, yeah and she lived right there and just picked her up went for a coffee and at that age i was more kind of like experienced with dating and i know not to like take a, a girl out to the movies like the worst dates ever is taking a girl to movies just so whoever's listening to this if you're if you're 19, 18, do not take a girl to the movies as a first date. You want to date. talk. You want to talk. Exactly. You, you, exactly. You don't want to have awkward silence in the theater. Exactly. And then, yeah, you want to talk to them and get to know them, right? So the best, my recommended best first date would be either go for drinks. But if that's not how the girl you know wants to go or, or the guy wants to go, then a, a cup of coffee and just talk about each other is just the best way to meet someone. For sure. So that's yeah, that's how that's how we met, man. That's how the first date went, and then we went on yeah. a second date, and yeah, we kicked it off from there. Been good ever since, eh? Yeah, I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> I like to hear that, man. I like to hear that. I like that okay, piece. okay, okay. Uh, honestly, I want to jump right into DJ Richard Arkin. First of all, how did the name come together? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Okay, so because um, I know that's not your name, but how did the name come? together? <laughs> Um, so yeah, so name pretty much started, um, I used to go by DJ Dimes actually. So I don't know if Dimes. I told you, yeah, I don't know no, if I told you, you never told me this. I like that. Yeah. So, so DJ Dimes, um, that was my first DJ name and that was when, um, I came out of high school and, um, right then I was like, yeah, I, I kind of want to be a DJ because I got into like electronic music and such. So... Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I got into the whole DJ thing, and back in the days, remember when um, Peter Street and like in Toronto, like Lot Three Three Two was popping. Yep. And, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> lot, yeah. I, I'll name some clubs just so people can have like some euphoria. But Lot Three Three Two, like Liquid Seven Lounge, um, yep. what's it called? Metro uh, I feel Time. Old now. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Especially when I heard liquid, I was like, Oh, I was like, oh, I feel old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, government, like circa, oh, government. right? Don't you miss government? Um, oh, amazing. Oh. 
good I mean, times. I don't like Toronto needs to stop taking away landmarks and, and to build condos and just keep like you know things that are gonna yeah, make the like, city better. So. Yeah, exactly. It was just uh, like that was. Uh, that's a yeah, classic. man. I I think uh, government inside nightclub were like the first two clubs I ever went to downtown. I believe so. Yeah, man. Yeah. I I miss I miss that whole movement. Actually, so you know what? Let's cut it here. Let's cut it here because yeah. I know it's gonna end. So yeah. we'll just yeah. cut this whole. We'll cut this piece off. You can I just, just said that, but you can. Brittany will just send it. another. No, you oh, can yeah, just re-click the same link and it'll open back up. It only goes for forty minutes at a time, which is so silly. Yeah. Okay. Unless you. I'll just yeah. Do that. If it's yeah. if it's us, then it goes forever. But if we have a third person, it does this whole yeah. time. Yeah. No. Okay. That's the only downside. I miss Gov. <laughs> I miss Gov. Too, Sam, Sam. Gov and Circa. You guys remember Circa? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember Circa. Yeah. That was like when I first went to Oakville and I was like introduced to house music and ah, uh, I miss those days. Yeah. Miss right? Those days. It's not the same. Yeah, Rich, you were telling us about how you got the name. Go ahead. Yeah, so started off as, um, as DJ Dimes and the reason why was because uh that was a basketball name like a nickname so dimes is like you know dish out dimes i was a point guard in high school and, and everyone used to call okay. me dimes in high school so that um went over into my dj name and i was like you know i'm just gonna use this as my my dj name as well so um and back in the day like the dj names were kind of corny as well so like <laughs> dj this dj that yeah so um yeah dj dimes was for a couple years um and I was pretty much DJing every weekend, sometimes two times a night, um, wow. in two different clubs. Yeah, it got it got like crazy at some points. And um, yeah, I was doing that. Went into the club scene, and then um, I took a break when I started producing. Mm-hmm. So I got into music production because I wanted to take that next level, um, get into that next level of like being an artist and producing my own stuff, so I can be like a touring DJ. And and you need your own music to do that, right? So. Um, that's when, like, I, I came out with another, I, I completely, like, deaded DJ Dimes, and I came out as, a uh, Richard Arkin. So Richard Arkin was, like, a more of, like, a professional artist name, um, and that's when I started releasing my own productions, my own podcast back in the day with iTunes, and, okay. um, yeah, that's, Very that's cool. how, that's how it started, yeah. Okay, and I see, I see when you first came out, it was, it was Futurama. So I went through, I listened to yeah. everything. I absorbed yeah, so it, I. right? <laughs> I'm so usually um I'm usually I'm usually very eclectic with my music, so it was great. I was able to absorb it all. So you started off with Futurama. Now, what what was the reason behind Futurama? What was what was the inspiration behind Futurama? How did that how that come to be? That was 2013. That was your first project. Yeah, so I'll start by saying I wish I deleted all the my previous music from social media or and like oh. open open public because you do um, research on this bitch, Rich. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's I'll, I'll send it, but it's like you can tell as you progressively listen to my music that it's, it got way better. I have and questions like, about that too. It yeah, does okay, though. Okay. The production got really good. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I got yeah. questions about that. I got questions. <laughs> okay, okay. So yeah, Futurama. Uh, story behind that was really I was using. Um, usually, I, I'm really bad with names for my tracks, um, and I I just named them some <laughs> random shit. So then. Um, when I'm looking for them after, I, I was going to ask you files. about the meaning behind the names, but you're just like random shit. <laughs> but, like, okay. No, no, but it's usually like I, if I use like there's certain synths that are called certain things, um, yeah. and certain yeah. So Futurama was kind of like I was I was big big into that show back in the day, and I was like mm-hmm. you know this synth reminds me of 
you know, Futurama show. And I just, I went with that for that uh, title, but most of my tracks will be either names of like cities, which it reminds me if I'm there or I can picture yeah. someone being there or Belarus. There, Belarus. Yeah, exactly. Belarus. There's a night in I Munich. Love that, I love that track. Yeah, it's a night in Munich. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of different things that will give you like the vibes of that city. That's what I try to go for. Um, yeah. So that's, that was back then. And I was producing more of like, I, I just wanted to get my feet wet with like the music industry. I didn't know what I wanted to produce. I was just kind of like producing what I thought would be good at that time. It wasn't really what I wanted to. I was just like, let me try to make some bangers here. And I got Futurama yeah. and those tracks. Yeah. When I listened to Futurama and I went through it, uh, when I was going through it yesterday, it seemed like um, the way you did it was I see you remix the track twice. And then you had, then you had Molly underneath it. Was that how you wanted to do it? Like, was that track a hit that you just had people jump on it and want to remix that twice for you? And then you go over to Molly, or how did that come? Yeah. So yeah. So Molly was obviously party phase. That was like a everyone was going off on it. So I was like, I'm gonna make yeah. a track called yeah. Molly. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So the actually that was the label. So the label, um, they the the way it works is you know they'll they'll get you for an EP. So they'll sign you for one EP. And then what they do with the track is, is really on them at that point. So if oh, they want to okay. have, if they want to have a remix package with three artists, then um, they'll do that. So then they can choose their artists or whatever. I have no control over that. Okay. So that, that was like the, that was the record um, label's choice there. Okay. Okay. And then I see um, in between Futurama and I would say Contagious, there was a few singles that you dropped in between those as well. So, Honestly, I had I had a blast going through these, man. I have I have some that I loved. Um, I have some I want to ask you questions about. As a hip hop fan, of course, um, yeah. I like how you put the, the biggie lyrics into <laughs> spit your game. I know yes, you're a hip hop yes. fan as well. What what made yes. you go that route? You got a few tracks where you got some lyrics in there, but what made you go that route yeah. with dropping the biggie lyrics and spit your game? Oh, uh, big ups for that research. That's good. They dug that out. Like, yeah, you got to really yeah, do some man. digging to find that track. Yeah, man. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was good research for me. I enjoyed we it. We found so. them all. No. Oh, yeah? <laughs> we okay. found pretty much okay. everything that you have online. Nice. Okay, good, good. Um, yeah, so at that time in the house uh, music industry, there was a lot of hip-hop and house collabs. So the big thing was, like, you know, grabbing an old, uh, an old vocal, a well-known vocal, and... and throwing your own instrument on there with house and um, everyone was going off because like house music, people that listen to house music, everyone has some sort of attachment to hip hop anyways. And yeah. like, especially natural. like Biggie. Yeah. Natural. Like, and, and big songs, like the one I chose there, spit your game and stuff like that. Um, everyone's going to know that. So the, the, the common thing at that time was just to take a popular lyric and then have a house beat on it and people will go crazy. So mm -hmm. that's why I did. That's why I started getting into that. You did it again on Wolfie. You took the um Dr. Jer the Dr. Dre lyric on Don't Forget About Me and you threw that onto Wolfie too. I like that. I caught that yeah, one. Was that yeah. was that the same inspiration? I ca I caught yeah. the ball, man. I caught that one. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I was there yeah. for it. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah. yeah, go on, go on, go on. Yeah, no, those those two tracks were produced pretty much uh in the same two weeks. Okay. So uh so it's funny you said that. Cause I just had like that that a couple of months where I was just like in that vibe and I just created those two tracks. I created a lot more, but those two are the only ones that like made it to, to labels and got signed and stuff like that. When I heard that same old G-Light, I was like, okay, I like that. Yeah. But I would say the tracks that really hit me besides the last two, which we're going to get into. Um, yeah. I liked um, White Lines. White Lines, I liked very much. Um, the Art of Deception. 
I like that very much too. Um, party, party in the boss. How how do how would you say that? I just want to know how how you want that to be said. Uh, party in Del Bosa. Party in Del Bosa. Okay. Okay. So Del Bosa. <laughs> yeah, Del Bosa is like some city in. Uh, it's like a city in Ibiza. Okay. Or like okay. a village or, or something like that. I forget what it is now, but it's like in Spain or Ibiza or something like that. Okay. And, um, yeah. And Belarus, like Belarus hit. I was like, yeah, it's a good track. But Thanks. I know you brought this up earlier, and Brittany might jump into this too. But it's um when you when I listen to your early sounds, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds more electronic. Now I would say around I would say like. Uh, maybe the Art of Deception. I think that that was like 2015, 16, if I'm remembering right now. But after that, it seems like your music, it, it was a little less electronic and a little more like melodic. And what I like to call like, like that kind of like slow jazz feel, which I like that actually. Like the hip hop, hip hop that I like, and me and you have spoke about this, um, whether it's Dilla Soul, Tribe Called Quest, or even I think when me and you were coming up, I loved that early 2000s scene where it was like you had Kanye and Jay Dilla, and it was that kind of yeah. like, like I enjoy like that laid back feel. Like that's how I, I think that's why I like Stars and Stripes. Like I enjoy that type of feel. Yeah. So it's just really like good. when when Kanye was doing John Legend, when he was doing Common for those two albums, when you had um, Jay Dilla, when you had like that era that I like, and there's artists like that to do that right now, like who are very smooth like that. You got Kendrick, you got mm -hmm. um, basically the whole TDE, Isaiah Bashar, but I like that feel. So what made you change from a very electronic sound to a very like melodic, cool, nice sound? What made you change to that? Or was it changing? Or was that just the industry change? So I, I wanted to get in um, right away into the industry by making, I guess, EDM sort of vibes and like more tech housey, um, more in your face, sort of like punchier vibes to, to make it cater to clubs and that so that mm -hmm. I would be recognized more and, and maybe to get picked up and, and you know, kind of um, blow up in that way. Mm. And what happened between me starting with that um, and then transitioning to 2016, where I started, you know, going at that more melodic route is a lot of artists, um, you know, they, they don't know what, like, they, they don't, they don't find their sound for like a couple of years into their music making. Like they don't yeah. really find their true. Yeah, nature. I agree with that. Yeah. And um, for me, it took a long time for me to find like what I really wanted to do. And um, also like, I stopped caring about what type of crowd I wanted to cater to. I just wanted to make what I wanted to. And that's from 2016 very on, like important. you said, very important. Yeah. And um, from, from 2016 on is when I started like just making that stuff where it was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm really good. I just making melodic um, sounds and playing the keyboard and coming up with melodies. So um, I started going into that more deep house, uh, super progressive where you hear a lot of different moving parts of the songs mm -hmm. and they're not, they're not meant for clubs at all. So it's no. a lot harder. It's a lot harder for them to get picked up and, and heard as well because they're more chill. But um, but yeah, I transitioned to that because I said, you know what, I'm making music. I'm not gonna like waste more time making music I don't want. I'm just gonna go into making stuff I want, and I don't care like who picks it up or not. And oddly enough, that's when I started getting hit up by bigger labels and like people started mm -hmm. listening more and like. That's when like I got picked up. Like my biggest record till date was A Night in Munich. Um, and then you know, like it was it was picked up when like Spotify and stuff wasn't even big. So like it doesn't have that many like plays or whatever, but 
it was it, it got picked up by like a huge like electronic label and um it was like a, my first big signing and people were like booking me as an artist in toronto now instead of just like booking me as a dj because nice. when That's people amazing. yeah when people start booking you as a, just a regular dj you're coming in people are just going to the club and you're just paying a, a playing mix of everyone else's tracks whatever right but now i'm getting booked in toronto and i get to play my own music and people are actually coming to see me as an artist like people see me on the poster and they're like i want to see richard arkin because i know his music mm-hmm. so it paid off in the long run and it still does like people come up to me even today like random people at the club oh you're richard arkin you know i heard your stuff blah blah, blah. so it's it, it paid off that i transitioned for sure nice nice no i really like this sound um i'm a person that when it comes to house i'm one foot in one foot out but i really like this sound like this sound it feels really relaxed to me. Like, I feel like I could just sit down and I'm a person that just likes a good vibe. So I, when I was listening to these tracks, once I got past two, actually it worked out because the beginning tracks I was working out. So the the melody the was perfect before working yeah. out. Tempo was perfect. And then the moment yeah. I got to 2016, like I was kind of just sitting around relaxing. So it, it gave me that nice feel. And I enjoy that. I enjoy a good track that I can listen to in my car. I can listen to just, just relaxing. Like I'm that type of person where I like relaxful music. So yeah. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I like the layers in your songs, like the way, like the newer ones that you have, the amount of layers that are put on top of it that builds all those sounds when you listen really closely, it's like you can hear everything, but it is, it's really, really well produced. And it's just, I I have an appreciation for music just being, because when I listen to music, I have a tendency of listening to with my eyes closed because I like to hear it. So I always close my eyes to listen to music and from being, because I, from being a singer and playing instruments, when I listened to your tracks, I was like, this is really, it actually for me was just like really, really, it, it was just a beautiful sound overall. And I could tell how much like effort and care you actually put into it. And you didn't just like throw together a bunch of beats and say, here, listen to this. Like it actually has that, the, the amount of patience that you put into it, the time, figuring out how you're gonna layer your music. And then just all those, all the sounds just made something that just sounds so beautiful that I played it in my place and my mom does not like any form of like house or edm and she actually stopped and she's like i actually really like this track what is this she never asked me that so for her to actually stand there even my sister tanya heard another one and she was just like this is good and her husband and i was like i know i just didn't tell them who it was i just played it to see what would happen and they really really liked it and they normally don't like any of that so that's how I know that they loved it as much. I did after, obviously. Promote the man. Promote the I did. I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Um, I really appreciate that. Because, um, yeah, like, there's a lot of moving parts to the tracks. And, like, I, I try to spend a lot of time on it. And um, that's that's what I go for. Basically, what you were just saying there. Uh-huh. That's basically what I what I like to hear when, when people give feedback. So. Yeah. Um, and, and it's it's funny that you said that thing about, you know, playing music and not saying who it is, because that's very important, um, especially if you're like an artist playing it to your friends or family. You never want to say it's yours before you play it, because um, it's not even like people's ears will change. It's just because something like in someone's brain, when you tell them who's it's from, yeah. it they're like all of a sudden the critique mode comes out and it's just like and even like um their way they listen to the track is completely different than what they would do yeah. if they were just yep. regular. That's, That's facts. So, yeah. I used to I have never... a friend that I used to have a friend that used to always say like when you open a business, never put your name on it because some people just won't go because it's you. 
Yeah. yeah. Business is great, but they won't go because it's you. Just just put it as something else that people enjoy it, right? So I agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. Yeah. You did. You said something earlier that I really liked. You said that you got to a certain point where you stopped trying to appease the culture or appease the crowd. And you kind of were just doing it for you. And when you do that, the people who naturally gravitate towards it will. And you said it, your music, your music career even got bigger at that point. Right. And I really respect that. I think that's something that that we've done here with this podcast. Like we've been doing it for around the third season. Uh, our episodes are probably in like the 30s now, but 30s or 40s now. But I remember when we first started, we didn't know what we were doing. So it was virtually oh God, the yeah. same thing. <laughs> we're throwing these at the wall. We're like, let's just see what fits. Really, I think the idea, yeah. this, yeah. the idea came about because like in our relationship, me and Brittany used to have these long conversations. And that's Which the reason why do. like, yeah, that's the whole reason why. <laughs> do. It's like why, hours worth of conversation. <laughs> exactly. That's literally the whole reason why like, like, like we work is because like our whole relationship is talking. Like we'll sit on yeah. the phone for like eight hours of the day and just talk about everything, sex, race, politics, like the world, music, art. And we just talk about different concepts, like how we feel about it, how it's changing. Yeah. We'll like revisit topics. So eventually Brittany was like, yo, we should do a podcast. Like I used to be on Daniel's stuff. So we just do a podcast. So I was like, okay. So we No, first that's not off. true. You didn't want to do it. Don't say that. That's true. When, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> when I first brought the idea of the podcast up, he was like, no, he told me no. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm like, you love having conversations and talking about it. He's like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't really want to have like my face out there. He was not having it with me. I didn't. I didn't. So then, <laughs> okay, he was not, he's like, no, Brittany. And I was like, okay. A few months later, he comes back and he's like, are you still thinking about doing that podcast? And I was like, yeah, but now I have to do it by myself. And he's like, so I want to do it. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> and he's like, no, I really want to do it. And I was like, okay, we can do it. But here's the thing though. He wouldn't let me film us. It could only be our voices. Okay. So it hasn't, it, okay. it, it could only be our voices. So that's all I could get first. And I was like, we really should record it. And he's like, no, I don't want a video. And I was like, okay, fine. A few months later, you know, Brittany, I think that we should, we should make a video now. And I'm like, didn't I say this? <laughs> so every time I told him something, he wasn't about it. And he had his reasons about not want to have his face out there. And it was privacy. And he just, he really had that. And then be quiet. And then <laughs> he finally listened to me. And now we're here, we're establishing ourselves. So if you're going to tell the story, tell it properly. <laughs> okay, you're right, you're right. We started off in the car, you're right. You know what it was? I think at that point in time, as I was talking about earlier, right? Like, it was like, I was thinking about my job and I was like, yo, I don't want to say something crazy and then somebody at my job finds it and I get fired or some crap. So I was just like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this. But I think Rich was like the first person to find it at any job I worked at. And Rich was just like, yo, oh, this yeah. you? I, was just, I remember being there with Rich I was like, yo, don't tell nobody that's me. Leave that low. Because I was like, yeah. yo, I've gone said crazy. And the whole thing is like, when we first started, I was saying a lot of crazy stuff. It was honest, but it was crazy. So I was just like, yo, Rich, don't, don't tell nobody about that, man. And then we kept it in like our friend circle group, which is cool. Now I don't care so much. Now, obviously, I just got Instagram like a few months ago. So obviously, I'm promoting it on a different level. Now it's a little different, right? But I think it took us a while to find like, our sound. I remember you you came up with the name Awkward and Black and we didn't know what we wanted it to be about. And then we we struggled with it, struggled with it for a while. And then we got to a point where we're like, you know what? Let's just give people our perspectives on everything. Doesn't matter what it yeah. is. And let's bring on guests that like we know, that we like, that we fuck with. Instead of just bringing on like anybody. So I used to be on Cool Radio, which was um, a radio podcast that me and Daniel did with, uh, with, uh, with my homegirl Kayla. And 
I remember when we were on Cool Radio, we used to bring on guests that I didn't give a fucking shit about, bro. Like, it was, it was, I used to hate it. Like, mind you, it was great because we got to go to these underground hip hop shows and a lot of these artists that I seen way back in like 2012, 13, and 14 are now big in Toronto. So I'm like, okay, I was there for that. I remember that. I remember this person. But like, we used to bring on some guests because we had a producer. And he would just bring on like these local artists that he would find. Yo, it was so bad. I remember we had this one guy like freestyle on the on the radio show because we had it like in UTM. It was in college. So he had him freestyle on it, and it's like, I think he said some stupid lines. He was just like, I'll never forget this. He said something where he's like, when I'm tired and I can't sleep, I just jerk once. And I was like, what? And I just. I, yo, <laughs> Yo, it was, it was, it was like, trust me, we have jokes from that time period. And it came to a point where like me and Danny were both like, yo, we got to stop doing this. So I said, okay, if I'm going to do my own thing, I'm yeah. going to bring on artists I like, that I know, that I fuck with, that I'm actually going to, I'm actually a fan of them, that I can actually engage with like their product and their yeah. music instead of being on there and just being like, yeah, so, um, never listened to your shit before, but how was it? Like, I don't want to do that. Like, it just seems so disingenuous, yeah. right? So I yeah. think I think we found our niche, I would say about what, like five episodes ago, Brittany, six episodes, and we really found like so. our yeah, touch. So. so it does it does take a while, but I like that you said that, man. But I see you had a bunch of singles, and then you decided to drop another album in 2018, Contagious. What mm. was what was behind the idea to drop an album after? Because you had an EP in 2013. And then yeah. your, your style started to change and you had the singles going and obviously your career was moving. So what was the reason behind uh, the 2018 album? Was that career-wise something you just wanted to put out? That's something you felt like, you know what? I got, a, I got a good fan base here. Let's drop another piece of art. Let's see what they say about it. Like, what was the meaning behind that? Yeah, so that was the, the first, I guess, first major album I dropped. Um, and I wanted to do like a whole project um, instead of like just one or two tracks, um, which I've been doing the whole time before. So um, at that time, I was, I was living in Brampton still, um, living with Becky. And one of the tracks there was called Summer Valley Boulevard. Yep. And um, yep. the album was going to be called Summer Valley Boulevard, actually. I changed it last minute. But the whole inspiration behind that album is a lot of during my tracks, I get inspiration from where I lived at that time. So I have, I even, I don't know if you guys uh, seen that, this track, but I have a track called Napperton Drive. So there's a track called Napperton Drive where that track, I was living at Napperton at the time in Brampton, right across from DeVille. So I based it on where I'm living and how I'm feeling at that time. Okay. And like oh. during that time period, I was making a lot of like super melodic shit because, you know, yep. there was a lot of shit going on in my house. I was going through a lot. So it was, it was really melodic, very like more darker. Um, but then contagious, I was at this like, I was like at this high level of my life where I was like, you know, happy with, with Becky and living in Brampton. And I was just like, I have a lot of time. So I'm gonna, I like the neighborhood. So I'm gonna produce a, a, an album, which is based off where I'm living at the time and where I am in my life. So the tracks on there is pretty much, um, I try to make it as like a movie. So the first there's, you'll see that there's, um, there's like clips in there with like different little segments it's yes. not really like yes. yeah so there's like in, there's interludes yeah so um i, I kind of sort of base it like i have a movie of those that specific five-year frame or three or four, four-year frame which i was living in that that neighborhood there so summer valley boulevard um, was one of the tracks that was one of the the major tracks contagious 
um, which is the single off that album, which was like the, the most played one, I guess, uh, at clubs and, you know, international stuff like that. Um, and then, yeah, the other interludes were like, I threw in there as well. It was just like part of uh, what I was listening to at the time and how I was feeling at the time. So um, okay. that's, that's how that album came about. I feel like I have to go back and listen to that song because I didn't know that that was a street in Brampton. So now when I go back and listen to it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to it with different ears. I'm going to have a different insight when I go back to that track. Okay. Okay. I respect that. Yeah. Okay. And then following after that, there was a few more singles. And then at the time I met you, it was yeah. Stars and Stripes. So mm. I remember we were supposed to go out that night to go see you perform. We did go out that night. We ended up leaving early. I wasn't oh able... I think I was... <laughs> I wasn't gonna bring it up. I wasn't gonna bring it up. I was gonna let it slide. You, you gotta bring it up now. You gotta bring it up now. Yeah, exactly. Brittany, Brittany did get um sick and uh we we had to leave. I'll leave it there. But um I remember um I was there for I was there for about a, maybe a good hour. Um I didn't get to to witness it, but I remember Daniel like calling me the next day, like, man, you missed it. And I was the person that I'm always like very eclectic. And Daniel was like, I don't know about house. And he was like, yo, Rich killed it. He's like, Rich was in his bag. Rich was in his element. And I was like, man, I miss that shit. So the next time you have anything, when this opens back up, please invite me. I miss yeah. that shit. I was, I prepared myself for it. As you know, I was mentally and spiritually ready. And I was just like, yeah. God. So, but um, everybody at work told me as well that like you killed it and it was, it went by beautiful. But how did you feel about, about that night? Yeah, no, um, it was, it was, it was good, man. Like shout out to, to Dan, you know, for, for coming out and having a good time. Uh, um, and shout out to, you know, all the, all the people at work and my friend, my close friends and family that came out. But, um, the thing about the, the thing about when I do shows is especially when I do private shows like this, when I, when I run them as well is I can do it at a huge club. I can do it at like, you know, a, a club like, um, like Maison or government or stuff like that. The issue is, is I've always liked a more intimate vibe with like people I know that's closer rather than do it at a, a huge ass club. And like, I can't even like see the crowd because I'm so far away because the booth is set up like far away from the dance floor. And it's like, I just, it's like, there's two different types of vibes. I do like the big club, uh, big club sometimes, but the, um, the, the smaller club like parlor is where you get like that you feel like you're in a house in there right mm -hmm. you feel like yeah. you're in like a big house and like um it's it's nice and tight and warm the way they have their lighting so that venue is, was perfect for that event and i felt great like the lineup i had miriam there from from fresh books um who i met that you know she she's a producer now as well and um she told me that she's been wanting to get into the scene and you know wanted to dj and stuff like that so i'm like this is a perfect opportunity to to have someone that's um you know nice. like pumped for, to be on the bill and i'm just like i remember when i was getting into the scene as well i'm like i would take any opportunity i could to, to, to just play on a show for free yeah. or anything yeah. um not that it wasn't free i paid her okay but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah but um yeah no it was like a good opportunity just like a very raw like that show a show like that is that's like i hate to say it because it's adding salt to the wound but that, it's one of those wow. where you don't want to miss you don't want to miss yeah. it so i'm sorry you missed it but it's yeah. one of those where <laughs> it's um it's one of those where like it's hard to recreate that much intimacy in a show because yeah. it's 
people, first of all, I hadn't played a show for more than a year before that. So um, the reason why I made it so special is because all my friends were, have been feeding to come out and like, we, we haven't connected in that way before. So um, it was just a great vibe and a good like get together and everyone had an amazing time and the, the dance floor was rocking. When I was playing, like, I, like, if you can imagine just everyone in front of me, just a huge crowd the whole time, like jumping and going crazy. Like literally for the two hours I was DJing, it was insane. That's awesome. Insane. Man, I remember, yeah. I think when I was there for most of Miriam's set, cause I remember that and she was really good. That was the first time I ever heard Miriam, but yeah, I, I heard, I, I heard it was, uh, and, and I love that type of melodic music. So there, there's always the next time. So it, it'll be all right. It'll yeah. be all right. It'll There'll be, be more. Yeah, I, I wish. I was like, ah. But then after that, um, you came out with your most recent single uh, that just dropped, uh, Friend to the Room here. So, of course, we promoted that as well, Lost Moments. How do you feel about that? I actually like, I think, I was having this discussion with Daniel, actually, and we're, we're comparing it to Stars and Stripes. And I actually like it more than Stars and Stripes. I didn't think I would say that because I downloaded Stars and Stripes when we were together in the office about almost more than a year ago now, right next to you. And I've had mm -hmm. it on my phone iPod rotation ever since. But now I feel like, yeah, I feel like Lost Moments has taken that over. But how, how, do you, yeah. how do you feel? How do you feel about the new track? What was your inspiration behind it? I always want to know if it was inspiration behind the music, but what was your inspiration behind it? How do you feel about it? Let me, uh, wait, let me ask Brittany first what, what she yeah. thought about it. And what, what, like, which track did you prefer after two singles? Stars and yeah, Stripes? Yeah, good, actually. So I love Stars and Stripes, but I remember when it when you dropped Lost Moments and it came out and I played it and I was like, I really, really like this. I still really like Stars and Stripes. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I do. But Lost Moments just has this feel where I just feel so kind of chill when I'm listening to it. that yes. I just kind of like, I actually like stop what I'm doing and I actually will just completely stop and just listen to it and wait for it to end because I'm like, no, no, yes. I don't want to miss anything. I'm just going to sit here and a way for it to finish and enjoy it. And then I'll go about my business and do what I need to do. Like it actually is, it's a beautiful track. It actually is, it's great. Thank you. Thank you, appreciate that, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's that's good that you guys uh, liked it more. Um, it's, uh, so now I'm coming up into another transition of, of, of music. So the, like the similar one I had in 2016, now, like literally now is when I'm transitioning to a more I'm not gonna say commercial sound, but I'm gonna be dabbling in um, in a lot more different sort of genres. Okay, cool. So I'm like I, I can I can reveal it because I'm releasing it on my own label, but I'm um, essentially this track is gonna be the first track of, of my new label that's coming out this year later on. Okay, and um, that's so cool. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, and I'm um, I'm literally gonna make a song in every single genre. So I'm gonna make a country song, a, a rock song, uh, oh, that's a gonna be so song, cool. and that's all gonna be, yeah. And, and it's it's something I've been wanting to do for a while, but I never had the infrastructure or like, yeah, the, yeah I never, I, I wasn't brave enough to do it before. But now I'm at the point in my career where I've transitioned to, I still wanna, like my dream is to become a musician, like, and just be a touring DJ if, if I can. So if that happens, okay. But my mentality has switched from having all the energy on that and pleasing people to all of a sudden now, I just want to leave a great catalog behind for future generations of my kids. And like for hundreds of years, they can listen mm -hmm. to my music and be like, wow, this guy was a, was a good musician. Like that's, and that's 
my focus now. So I don't really care if there's one listen or a thousand or 10,000. I'm going to like, this album's going to be something that I don't think no one's done with every genre. Yeah. And I'm going to have a lot of people on it. I'm going to have hip hop artists on it. I'm going to have like rock artists on it. And it's, I, I'm a guy that likes every single genre. Like I'm, Same. I love music. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So, so which which genres are you doing? I know you mentioned hip hop, you mentioned rock, you mentioned country. Which other genres are you going to dabble into? Are you going to go like deep into rock, into metal? Like what else are you going to do? Rock, hip hop, country, what else? Um, I'm going to do a pop track as well. Um, a pop, I'm going to do, like for rock, I'm going to do more of like a, uh, like a soft rock sort of vibe, like cold, okay. cold play sort of thing. Okay, um, okay. Something like that, which, which I really like. And then um, if, if I can, I'm gonna to try to dabble into some to some reggae sort of uh, disco as well, and you know okay. that that sort of Afro beats. Um, yeah. Because okay. I've been wanting to work with with an artist who's a friend of mine who's actually pretty big. His name's Chopit. Uh, I don't know. Like I sent you some some music before, but he's a yes. he's a yes. he's a Canadian artist. Yeah. Yes. He's pretty. Really he's cool. pretty. He's getting big now. So we we um, hopefully work on a track there together. But um, yeah. No, I like that, man. I remember the first track that me and you vibed out to was, um, oh my God, I can't remember the track now. It's going to kill me. But you know what it is. When I introduced you to it at work and then we had it in the group for like weeks, it was um, it's that Nigerian artist. Oh, it's going to kill oh, me right now that I can't remember um, it. Star Signs. Oh, huh? Star Signs. Star Signs. Yes, <laughs> but, 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 but I'm trying to remember the artist's name. Oh, um, um, oh, it's going to kill me. It's fine. If anything, I'll make sure I post it somewhere, but I'll look it up right now. Fuck it. I'm not... Yeah. I know, I'm actually I, I looking for it now. I'm like, oh my gosh. I, can't I, I remember it. when I first played this, I was like, I came to work. A Duncey. A Duncey, yes. A yeah. I remember I came to work and I put that on and I was like, Rich, you got to hear this shit. And you were like, what is it? I'm like, just just slow down, take the shit in. <laughs> and you took it in and you were like, yeah. It was just, I Bro. loved it. I absolutely, it was like, it was like, I even said it's like Afrobeats meets house with a beautiful mix. Bro, you know what's amazing about that song and i'm glad you brought this up because i don't know yeah. if it would have been covered but you yes. are literally responsible for the wet my one of my wedding songs did you know that no oh, now i know really let's nice. go let's go let's go what happened so i'm like whenever people send me music like i don't just brush it off i listen and like yeah i will i'll give i'll give feedback and justin knows i'm a rock guy so i'll be like yeah sometimes i'll be like this is trash and sometimes i'll be like oh this is actually pretty good when he sent me this this song yeah it's like you know those tracks where you listen to it and you're obsessed from like the first yeah. time you listen yes. i literally played this song every day for like the whole month right i i listened to this song like early early in the year right and when it come to when it came time for like um for me to pick a track for like my first dance with becky i was like we don't we we didn't want to do like that um that what everyone else does that slow dance where the voice to man like type of, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah like those traditional and you're just like holding her yeah like we we didn't want we wanted to like get away from that a little bit and do something a little bit more fast paced and that where people can enjoy it so when we were coming up with tracks i'm like I, I had been listening to this track for like two months, like straight. Yeah. So I was upset. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, let me play this. We were trying to find out a track, right? For our first dance. And I, I played it to her. I'm like, what do you think of this one? Because I really like it. Now, even though it's a new track to me, it's going to resonate to me for the rest of my life. It's one of those tracks. Like, it's monumental mm -hmm. to my life. So yeah. um, I appreciate that. Yeah. No, thank you for that. If you didn't send it, I would have, I don't know what I would have chose. But, anyways. <laughs> um, 
it's crazy. Like people, uh, maybe, maybe God put you in that, in my life for that, you know, that one moment. <laughs> yeah. I feel, I'm trying to get yeah. everybody on at work. I had the whole section of us be like, this is the track. Yeah. No. Um, so yeah, we chose, we ended up choosing that track. Like when Becky heard it, she immediately fell in love with it as well. And, um, we, we ended up doing like our first dance to it and yeah, like I, I sent amazing. it around to my friends and, and that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, you're welcome, man. I, I like a Duncey, man. A Duncey is like, I think they call him, I think it's called Afro pop. It's like a little different, but like, I like it though. He really has a good element. I've listened to a few of his tracks. I pick and choose, but yeah, that star, star signs. When I heard that, I was like, cause I always know, like I'll always message Rich and be like, okay, Rich, this is for you. Like I'll message the group that we're in and I'll send him like a video or whatever it is. And I'm like, Rich, cause I know what he likes. I'm like, how do you feel about this? So that was... That was the track, man. I love that track. But I'm glad you guys used it for your wedding as well. I feel special about that, man. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. I really do. You're part of it, man. <laughs> I really do. You know, I appreciate that. But I, yeah. You want to name any of your kids Justin? I'm happy oh, with wow. that. Whatever, whatever you want. <laughs> whatever, whatever comes down to Whatever comes down <laughs> But, um, nah, let's, 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 take, let's take a little, a little curve jump here. Um, I want to jump into Richard Arkin Fitness. So did that come before the music? Did was that because you did say that you were always an athlete, always into sports? Did that come after the music? How did that come about? I know you've grown it. I see your page. I know you post your stories about meals and you basically set up meals and um, workouts for people. I remember when I was working with you, you had um, two people that we were working with who you had under your belt that you were doing workouts for. We also had a gym in the office, so that was there too. But yeah, how how did that come to be? Yeah, so um right after when i started being like a big dj right after high school um what happened was i was partying and partying too much and you know drinking and eating too much and i i pretty much like got like overweight so i was like overweight for for a couple of years of of, of my life there you did tell me that and too. um yeah like i was a big boy right like big boy and um all of a sudden one day I'm just like, I looked at myself in the mirror and I'm like, wow, like this is not how someone my age should, should be looking right now. And it's, it's not healthy. So I just decided to switch it up and like, I went straight into fitness and that was 2012. And in 2012, I, I picked up a P90X. You guys are familiar with the P90X, yeah. correct? Yep. Yeah. So picked up P90X for my boy, gave me the DVDs. There was no, uh, you know, got the DVDs back in the day and um watch that i followed it to a t i followed it to a t so for the 90 days um i, I did that program and i shed a bunch of weight got down to like 10 percent body fat and like from then on till now i've been like working out um ever since like religiously five days at least a week um and i became kind of like a fitness addict um sort of say yeah so um yeah, so from then on, I've been like super into fitness, uh, never looked back. And more recently, a couple of years ago, I decided to, you know, get my uh, certification um, in terms of, uh, you know, personal training, just because I saw an opportunity to just make money while doing something I love at the same time. So I'm like that entrepreneurial guy where I'm like, doing, I have like 80 million side jobs. Like I, I just do things I like and, and try to get money out of it. So um, that was like the next thing. So I, I've been doing DJ, made money off of that. And I was like, okay, so now I want another revenue uh, stream of revenue where I can do something I like as well. So um, got my cert, um, started, you know, taking on clients and stuff, came out with uh, Richard Arkin Fitness. 
where, um, you know, I help with, you know, meal prep and um, training clients. Um, and yeah, I just like, that's, that's how that came about pretty much. Okay. No, that's, that's really good. Did you use the same name that you were DJing with to kind of like bring people in that world over here? Because you already had a huge, um, I guess, fan base over there as well. Yeah, just so because I, I used the Richard Arkin again, just because uh, people would look up Richard Arkin for music, and then if fitness came up as well, they can they can click on it and be like, yeah, um, okay, this guy does this too, All right? Cool. That's actually good. Okay. <laughs> you can't be consistent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I respect that. Okay, and then you get into Sneaker Source Toronto with your brother, so. It's a nice little family business here. I see you guys have grown huge. You have a GQ article. We're going to get into all of that, but I want to know how this started. What brought, I'm not necessarily a sneakerhead myself. I think when I was younger, I was very into sneakers like that. And then I would say right around the time I got to college, maybe just because I worked in retail for a long period of time uh, when I was in college. So I pretty much got into like the H&M Zara section and yeah, every, it was, it was all, it was, I kind of stared away from the sneakers and then I got more into this. So I'm a, I'm a sneakerhead that has like a pinky toe in, but yeah, tell me what made you a sneakerhead and then what brought you to bring it to Sneaker Source Toronto? Yeah. And collab um, with your brother as well and make that a family, family business there too, man. So, so Sean isn't actually my, my blood brother. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, I think it's maybe because like, I would I Maybe, when I first uh, met you, you're like, it's my brother. So I'm like, okay, that's his brother. Okay, okay, okay. I probably meant like just brother. I, I, but anyways. Yeah, I see what you meant now. Okay, it's all good. It's all okay. good. Yeah, it's no worries, no worries. It's all good. Um, yeah, he's like my my best friend, like my uh, um, my best man at my wedding. So, you know, yeah, I probably introduced, you, introduced him to you as my brother um, just because that's what I do with like my close friends. So I, I can see how you got confused. But um, yeah, no, Sean is a really, really uh, good friend of mine um so the way that started was um we at the beginning of covid um like all of us we were bored and had free time and um i remember a pair of jordan sixes were, were dropping on full locker so these were uh, dmps they were called right so i i literally was not a sneakerhead before this like you okay. justin you've seen the way i you've seen the way i dropped at, at work like i was just like a regular my shoe yeah. game wasn't like, like yeah i wasn't like a sneakerhead so at all or, or knew about the industry or nothing okay so, so you were um, like me so okay so you just jumped right, right in then okay yeah like I, I had no clue about how it worked nothing so we um we just we, we we ended up trying to get those pairs and we realized that it was impossible to get so we're like what the heck i guess these are super rare so um actually sean got them and uh, and as soon as he got them um he realized that he can flip it for literally double the money so then we're like, why don't we just do a business out of this and like try to hit as many pairs as we can and start flipping them, right? So, um, yeah, that's how that started. Like that was the the beginning of, of sneaker source. Okay. okay, that's actually pretty ingenious. It's I never really um, I'm not a sneakerhead. I just like things that look nice. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know much about them. <laughs> <laughs> it's just true. I'm like, oh, that's nice. I like it. Um, yeah. I think it's actually some of the best businesses are actually born out of either boredom or trying to find something that maybe you could do and you're like, yeah, you know what? I think I can do that. And I think it's pretty awesome that you actually have somebody that you're such good friends with that you were actually able to do it with. 
and to learn yeah. so much about it. Would you would you say that learning about the industry was a bit more difficult of trying to be able to start a sneaker source yeah. to you or like yeah. like what went into that? Yeah, definitely. So the the sneaker world is is so like huge in, in regards to moving parts. And um, to be like a reseller in this industry, you need to to know like what those moving parts are and like how things work on the back end. Mm -hmm. um, because you'll you essentially if you try to become a reseller without knowing that, you'll just end mm -hmm. up being stagnant and fall off the map. So um, yeah, so we we learned very quickly that you that there are first of all, there's hundreds of resellers in Toronto. It's a very competitive market. Yeah. Uh, number two, yeah. Number two is um, Canadians and Canada just get shafted in regards to stock. So yes, we are disrespected. We are very disrespected in regards to, to shoes, in regards to any any import things. Like Canada's always last to get it. Technology, you name it, Canada's last, right? So yep. um, that we had to learn that the hard way as well. And then we also had to learn that it's full of snowflakes. This industry as well. So. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Uh, things that, you know, like things that we think is normal is not necessarily, uh, you know, it doesn't pass in, in this industry and there's a lot of rules and a lot of, you know, manners you have to show as well. So, okay. I can see it that. sounds like and, it's a tough business. <laughs> and yeah. yeah, I would, I'm, I'm going to save this question for later on. I'm sure Brittany is, but now that you brought up, I kind of want to ask it, how do you feel? Cause I know a lot of people in the sneaker industry kind of hate like the reseller culture uh, yeah. for obvious reasons, but how do you feel about that? So the thing is like with me, I wasn't part of like the, the OGs that collected sneakers back in the day. So I don't know the pain of like not being able to get any shoe I want by walking into a store. And and then the major problem with these old heads is they, they used to have that privilege right back in the day and now they don't and they can't even get like, a third or fourth option that they wanted even because it's all sold out. So it's, I, I completely understand the, the frustration. Um, but yeah, at the same time, when, when I learned about all that stuff and how, how salty they were, um, I was just like, you know what? I'm just pretty much, if you can't beat them, join them sort of thing. Yeah, I could see that. The mentality. So one of the coolest things that I saw you share was the fact that you and Sean got to be interviewed by GQ back in January. First off, that's awesome. <laughs> that's you. actually pretty, pretty awesome. How did they even yeah. contact you to do this interview? Yeah. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, so I'll, um, so it started off with, uh, with our complex feature. So the writer from complex, his name's Cal, mm -hmm. shout out to Cal. Um, he, when we were starting to, um, you know, pick up some traction on, on IG. Yeah. Um, Cal reached out. He came across our page and he's like, hey, man, I'm doing, like, literally reached out out of nowhere. Like, we have no mutual friends, nothing. He's just like, hey, man, I'm a writer for Complex. Um, and Complex is a huge, huge, like, yeah. Sneaker, like the big, yeah, yeah. big, yeah, Complex is massive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I heard anything with complex and I'm going to be in it, I'm like, yeah, I don't care like what it is. I'm down. Like, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like, what if you and Sean did a quick interview? I want to know, like, what's the struggles of behind the business? Like, how did you get into it? Blah, blah, blah. And the whole sneaker industry. So I'm like, 
Yeah, I'm down to do it. So we got published on that. And then he's also a writer for, you know, the New York Post, like all these big, like, companies. Yeah. So okay. He uh, He's also a writer for GQ. And um, we've been super close ever since. Like, I hook him up with all the shoes. And he comes to us with, like, you know, questions. And, and we talk on a, on a personal level as well. And um, nice. Uh, yeah, I know Cal is a good good friend of ours now. And he, he reached out again for GQ. And he's nice. saying, like, we want to focus on Jordan and Mids. Because mids are like kind of like the um, if you're not into the sneaker world or anything, Jordan ones highs, the highs mm-hmm. and like the lows are like the popular ones, yeah. and the mids are like sort of like the shit ones, like the the ones that no one wants, like the ones that if you can't get highs or if you can't if if, if you're not like rich enough to afford the highs, you get the mids. Okay. So it's like the mix, uh, the mids is kind of like uh, the comparison would be Exco and Echo. Okay. 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 So, <laughs> Okay, Bring so, it back in 2002. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, exactly. I got you. I got like you. Skechers as opposed to, you know, like, yeah, anyways, I can go on. I got forever, you. But I got you. Yeah. So um, mids have kind of like taken on this, uh, This they, they've picked up traction because the market is so um, fluctuated now that mm-hmm. people even want mids as well. And those are selling out. So okay. he, he was like, yeah, is it, he's like, you guys want to get in on it to write about mids and how it's picking up and stuff. So we said, yeah, sure. Nice, so from being nice. from being in complex to GQ, did the, both of those features help kind of propel sneaker source to you to make it a little bit bigger than what it was before to give you more like exposure or what happened with that? Yeah, so definitely um, we gained a lot of traction from from those two. Um, not like too much just because, you know, people don't go online and read articles, but um, as much as like they used to. But um, the fact that we had that that as part of our resume now, like yeah. people um, refer others more because they're like, these guys are like credible, they're trusted and they've been on GQ and complex. And as soon as they see that, it's like, they're, they're going with us, you know, as opposed to like yeah. someone they don't trust or they're iffy about. So it's helped us in that way for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Now we wouldn't be uh, awkward and black if we didn't engage you in, you know, some hot random media conversation yeah hot topic fuckers what we do here Brittany you can go ahead so I'm assuming you probably already heard about this about the Nike exec Ann Herbert who had to step down after her um, son I think his name is John it actually came out that he was also doing resale of sneakers and how that actually negatively impacted her where she actually stepped down from her job at Nike so I wanted your opinion because he's he's a reseller too and the interesting thing about him is the fact that when he submitted his reports about him purchasing the actual shoes, the receipt was actually under his mother's name. And that's when a lot of this stuff came out instead of it actually being under yeah. his name drawn. So yeah. how do you feel about the way that he handled it? But also how do you feel about the fact that she had to step down from her job? <laughs> like she actually, she actually left like willingly. I feel like, I feel like Rich is going to have the same answer I have, but I'm going to let you go at it first. Go ahead. <laughs> well, the short, the short answer to that is the kid yeah. is super privileged, right? Like, yeah, that's a super, that's that's the, the that's the short answer. Like, the kid is just a spoiled kid and doesn't know any better. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is like, he, I don't blame the guy for doing it to be honest, because if you have the access to do it and you have inform insider information, you have um, the resources, you have you know 130k like he had to buy shoes. I would do it in a heartbeat. Okay. The, the the part where he failed was putting it under his mom's name and getting her involved. Like you could have kept that under the on DL, A and B. Like 
you could have been so much more successful down the road, right? But um, it's obviously it's it's bought traction to his page, and people are obviously still probably ordering from him and everything. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like this guy was just a dummy to be honest. Like he didn't think it through. But um, he had the resources. I would do the same thing to be honest. Yeah, I agree with you. I would have done. I would have done exactly the same thing. I understood why the sneaker culture was mad because the way they're looking at it is like. First of all, just economics in general, everybody wants to buy low and sell high. That's how you make your money. But I get it from a sneaker culture standpoint. They were mad because they were like, you know what? This is this kid who's getting these items from his mom on discount and then selling them high. And I know that's the whole argument, sneaker culture of like the exclusivity getting to a point where people can buy a sneaker and resell it for five times its worth. But it's like... In a way, it's like we would all do that, though. Like if, if I had a parent who worked for Nike who could get me the sneakers and I wanted to make money on my own, I would do the same thing. I agree with Rich. That is where he failed, where he put his mom's name on it. But outside of that, like we can judge him, but we all would have done it. I more feel sorry for his mom. Yeah. 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 She had to work very hard to be at the level that she's at. It wasn't just the yeah. insider information, too. He actually hired like 15 or so people who actually helped him swarm websites to buy more of the sneakers out of stock. So like to bypass the bots to be, cause you know how they normally have a queue and you can only buy like one. Yeah. So he yeah. had like 15 or 20 people also employed working for him who would help swarm the websites to be able to buy as many of them as they could to be able to flip it for a higher profit. So that's another thing that people had an issue with is that it wasn't just him. He actually hired people to like literally bombard the website, okay. which might, I guess yeah. sucks for anyone who wants it. He might actually yeah. deserve this then. He got a little too slimy. But yeah. I get it, though. I get it. But like, I'm not, I, th- not, I think the yeah. only positive part is the fact that his mom isn't going to face any legal action from Nike. That's the only good part. Because that'd be worse. Because nobody really wants to be sued by a massive conglomerate. Like, no one wants to be sued by that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but the thing about it, it yeah. the, the messed up part yeah. is, like, from a business standpoint, like, the mom lost the job. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. No no sneaker company is ever going to hire them her reputation probably or, is like it's trash it's trash yeah mind yeah. you she was probably making good money if she saved and didn't live above her means she should be okay but like you messed your mom up bro like you got yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah it's uh yeah I, I feel bad for him i think they'll be okay to be honest but anyways um especially when he sells all those shoes like i'm, I'm pretty sure they're not making him return it so <laughs> uh, can you imagine <laughs> you turn all the Yeezys you bought like what yeah i agree with you i agree with you and like you know what is you know what's a good segue to this too it's like i we got so hated on by the industry like when we went on our complex uh-huh. because really? yeah pic- picture this right we have richard and sean these new guys i don't know anything about the industry they come in uh-huh. literally and start and they started and a year ago yeah and they're already on complex not even a year into the industry there's resellers that have been around for 20 years 10 years five years right and like there was some articles going around online um some posts on on facebook where were like these sneaker there's like massive sneaker um like pages on facebook where like people yeah. can sell mm-hmm. and stuff like that and there were threads started where people are just hating, like, who are these guys? Like, I never heard of these guys. They're, they haven't even been in it. And like, wow, like, th- wow. this is so cringe of the story, blah, blah, blah. And there's there's a lot of hate. And um, yeah. we're just like, you know what? With, with like, your name out there, there's going to be hate automatically. So we didn't take it yeah. personally. We're just like, you know what? Like, 
yeah, there's snowflakes out there. It's all good. But it's like, there's also people that reached out that were like, yo, congratulations. Like we support you guys, like other resellers too. So it's kind of like a 50, 50 sort of thing. Yeah, if I was you guys, I wouldn't even respond. It's kind of like, it's like, um, it's like when Drake made it and all the rappers in Toronto who've been doing hip hop since the nineties were just pissed. Like, it's like, yeah. you're always going to get that. If I was you, I wouldn't even, I would just leave it for the birds, man. I wouldn't even respond to shit like that. You're going to get that regardless. Yeah, we didn't we didn't even respond. I just literally read it and was just like laughing to myself. Yeah, That's good though, because some people can't take some people can't take that. Anyone who gets into the industry of having like their name out there, if they are either yeah. online doing a re, like reselling or doing any business, some individuals genuinely read those articles and take it straight to heart. So it's actually yeah. really good that you guys are like, all right, we'll yeah. read it, but it's fine. You guys are gonna find peace of mind in it. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody has that kind of thick skin. Some people are like, no, I can't handle it. <laughs> Yeah, for, for us, I was like, you know, bad, any publicity is good publicity. So more people yes, talking sir. about us, even if it was yeah. negative, it, it, sent them, it sent them to our page. So all good. Yeah, because no, they want to see who you, they want to see what you guys are doing. That's why they're like, who are these yeah. people that everyone is talking about? Let me go check it out, and that just helps you. And it's like, there's a reason why these guys are on Complex. There's a reason why a writer reached out to us as opposed to all you guys. So it's like, yeah. you know, doing something right. Hope. Okay. <laughs> and. In in the future going forward, like, where do you see uh, Sneaker Source Toronto? What do you see it becoming? What do you see it standing for? What do you see it representing in the Toronto culture and sneaker culture in general? What, what would you so, like it to represent? So our, our goal is, like, we're already in a different market than every other reseller in Toronto. And I'll explain how, like, re really quickly. But um, essentially, uh, a reseller, they, they base their... They, they buy stock here locally. Like they go to, they line up at Full Locker and they, they buy it. They come with 10 friends and then they get 10 shoes and then they flip those. Right. And that's mm -hmm. how a lot of resellers um, work in, in Toronto and like locally and like in Canada and stuff. Problem yeah. is, is like I was telling you guys before is that, uh, is that, um, you know, the, the stock in Canada is not high. Okay. So, Resellers, we only have lim uh, access to like a short amount of pairs every time it drops. So what we're doing, which is making us grow exponentially and are different from other resellers, we actually work with a supplier that is an inter international distributor. So oh, that's we, smart. yeah, so we get our pairs from the States, Europe, Asia, China, wherever, wherever we can source okay. it, we'll get it. And because this supplier who I can't name for obvious reasons, but yeah. Yeah. because the supplier, because the supplier, um, he, he literally supplies like stores and, um, he orders so many shoes at once. He's able to give it to us at a discount. Like we, we, we don't buy it for retail. We buy it for a resale price, but it's mm -hmm. still way under market value in Toronto where we can still upcharge our customers and like put a, put a, like put a 50 bucks on it or a hundred on sure. top of it and still sell it for cheap based on what they uh, they could buy here. I respect that, because I know you had a part where you did say that, like, Canada as a whole is always disrespected. So just as it a is. way to bring that over to Canada to kind of have more variety, I respect that. And the business behind it, I respect it as yeah. well. Okay. Yeah. And you see, this this is why Complex and GQ wrote about you. <laughs> because that is smart. <laughs> this is why. <laughs> don't make the haters come to our page, eh? <laughs> we, yeah. Don't we already have that? <laughs> Yeah, we do. We do. So it doesn't matter. You guys got some. You guys got some haters as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it too. Yeah, we just it's everybody fine. has it. You know, I, 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 I don't even acknowledge it. 
I don't acknowledge it. Yeah, we just take it as a compliment. Take it as that's a compliment. That's it. That's it. You're listening. You enjoy it to a certain point. You know what I mean? It is what it is. I'm not mad at it. Well, you know they're I listening because start... they'll bring up stuff that's at the end of the podcast, and you're like, oh, so you listen to the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, I might you. start like, answering their questions in the podcast, but I'm like, do I want to give them that type of validity? But then I might. You never know, depending yeah. on how I feel. If it's a slow week, I might yeah. do it. It's a slow <laughs> week. Okay. <laughs> but nah, Rich, we we appreciate having you on, man. I honestly, I had some other topics. I really wanted to get at the um the Kanye West and Kim Kardashian thing. I want to get your opinion on it. Also, with the Drake mix in the middle, you see where I want to go with. Actually, let's go with the fuckery. Let's, let's continue. I want to ask this. I want to get your opinion on this. So obviously, <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, okay, this is my opinion. I think this is all for show for the, for the kicking up with the Kardashian shit that I don't watch. I don't engage in that shit. But for the sake of this show, I'm going to bring it up though, right? Um, so they're breaking up. And it's, it's, it's interesting to me because I had to really go back and look at the whole Kanye Kim relationship in the perspective of like a Kanye West fan or a hip hop fan in general. And it's just like, it's interesting because they both gained off each other. Um, people forget, right? But it's like before Kanye came along, Kim Kardashian before Kanye was really just, her father was a lawyer. Some people didn't know that. She was really just a sex tape girl. She was a sex tape girl. There was Ray J and that was it. And then Kanye was kind of the one that, like, legitimized Kim in a way and was able to bring her to, like, you know, the award shows and this and this. And then Kim propelled that into the television show and then her own businesses and then her family's businesses. So Kim definitely propelled that. And then obviously she did the same for Kanye, right? That's why Kanye is on these stages, too. So I'm just wondering how this is all going to, like, function after this. And when it comes to Kim Kardashian, it's like, I feel like the natural progression would be Drake because it's already kind of, you know, it's already what's happening, right? But I, I just, I'm wondering where, 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 where they go with this. Because even throughout their relationship, it's like, as Kim was dating Kanye, Kim became like, she became like this figure to like help people get out of jail and fight people's rights. And like, and at the same time, Kanye's on the other end saying like, Slavery is not real. And I'm like, how are you guys taking either side? Like, how is this happening? So I'm wondering how this is all going to mend after after they break up. And what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, that's um, it's interesting because uh, I think out of all the Kardashians that have dated celebrities and stuff like that. Yeah, this was this is the first time a Kardashian dated someone where they were kind of like in their shadows, if you think about it, because yep. Kanye, as soon as Kim married Kanye, she became like, you know, that's Kanye's wife. It wasn't like, you know how it's usually like when you date like a Kardashian, it's like, oh, he, isn't that the guy that dates Kardashian or whatever? Like, like Tristan yeah, Thompson. Yeah, yeah, Kim, yeah, it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the, there's like a bunch of them. Yeah. <laughs> even, even like Travis Scott, like Travis oh, Scott yeah. was with, um, Kylie, he's, a, he's a big, he's a, <laughs> yeah. But when you, when you think of Travis during that time when they were together, you always thought more of Kylie. But yeah, with uh, Kanye, with Kanye and Kim, I think a big reason, which I don't think a lot of people think about, Kim is like, I don't know what the heck goes behind closed doors and none of us do, but a big reason I think Kim is used to being like the number one in the relationship. And like, you know, she's used to her husbands and her partners being her shadow. And yeah. for years and years and years, it's like, she's just known as Mrs. West and, you know, like, Kanye's always in the media, always getting attention. She she's literally just in the background, right? So, um, 
I, I think like that could be some of it as well. Like why she eventually, you know, they, they, obviously they had their issues. It's Kanye West, right? But yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think her, yeah, I think her next relationship is going to be, if I can guess, it'd probably be like a low key, some guy that like, you know, where it's pretty low yeah. key. We don't know. Like, yeah. She wants to like run that relationship. And I don't think Kanye let her run it. I think he was running it, but who knows? She, Speaking of that, she might take, like, she might do what, like, Serena and other celebrities have done, where, like, you marry a guy who has his own business, but his face is not known. And then you yeah. kind of get to be the face, and he does the business in the background type of thing. But to be honest, throughout the relationship, looking back at it, I actually feel more sorry for Kim when you really put everything together. Just because of the way Kanye was and who Kanye is and the ego to, oh, God. Like, I actually, I never thought I would say this, but from the beginning to now, it's completely switched. I feel sorry for Kim. I don't feel yeah. sorry for Kanye at all. I feel sorry for Kim, man. But I hope she finds greener pastures, you know? I hope she's okay. But I really think, I believe what you're saying. I think she's going to get, like, kind of like a business guy or a low-key guy who is not famous but still has the bank, of course. I think that's kind of the route she's going for. So, I yeah, never well, even yeah. thought of it that way, the fact that she likes being the center of attention. I didn't actually think about that at all. Cause yeah, neither did I. I've never, like, I've never actually know. watched a full episode of Keeping With Credit. I've never seen an episode. My, my sister watches it sometimes. And there was this one segment that I saw being at her place. And it was when Kim was like, no, Kanye was complete. He was throwing out all of Kim's clothes and oh, having wow. her buy an entire new wardrobe because he was styling wow. her. So like, I, yeah. I just remember that, that sticks out in my head. It's the only clip I've ever seen where he literally had racks and racks of clothing come to the house and he was picking her outfits and he was like, okay, try that on. I don't like that, take that off. And he literally yeah. threw out her whole wardrobe and restyled her. But you have to remember that was how the relationship started. If you remember, yeah, like I just it think it's interesting. Rose. That's all. Because when you when, yeah. when you just said that, Rich, I was like, wait, that's yeah. actually. I just remembered that clip when he did that to her. Because in the there beginning of their relationship, like when he had Amber Rose, like his whole thing was styling her for the media, and that's how she became mm. big because people liked the way she looked. And then when he got with Kim, the first thing he said is, "Kim is the most beautiful woman in the world, and I'm going to style her." And then he did that for the first couple of years prior to the kids. Like he would style it for the award shows. He would do this. He would do this. She was kind of like his muse in a way before yeah. the fuckery began. Yeah. yeah. So it's weird to me. Yeah, man. But it's all right. Uh, Rich, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Friend to the room as well. I see you guys are starting your own podcast. I want to end off with that. Tell me about um, how that came to be. I know you had a podcast back in the day and what we should expect from the sneaker source podcast as well man yeah i know i appreciate you guys having me for sure um listen to you guys you know whenever you come out with an episode um i look forward to more episodes um from you guys and you know love what you're doing keep it up um but yeah sneaker source uh, is coming out um end of the month um we're essentially going to be talking about the sneaker culture um a lot of people like buyers that are not in the scene they don't know what's going on we're going to shed some light into how everything works um answer some questions from 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 you know our followers um some funny stories like some 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 crazy stories in the okay. industry about robberies and stuff like that that we that we hear oh, wow. about we experience um yeah. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things that that are that are interesting. So that and then talk about like you know, the the fits like you know uh, famous um, celebrities rocking certain shoes and what we think is going to be like you know the next big shoe and, and stuff like that. So yeah. Okay. I look forward to that, man. I look forward to that. Especially, I can definitely see the robberies going in. There. I could see that. I could definitely see that. But I look forward to listening to that. I'll definitely be tuning in myself. Um, I look forward to that, man. 
And you guys are dropping... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, once this episode drops and once your podcast actually does drop, I will update all the information in this one with the link to your podcast as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, appreciate it, yeah. That works as well. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, Rich, thank you for coming on. Again, friend to the room, you're always welcome if you ever want to come back. If you ever come back again, we'll just... We just usually talk about topics, but we always want to do a biographical episode on everyone we bring on at first time, right? So um, you're always welcome back to come on if you ever want to share any information on Sneaker Source or just come on and just just talk shit with us for an hour. It's all good. But we appreciate you coming on, man. We really appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Thank you, guys, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate Thank you so uh, much. Appreciate the invite. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> all right. All right. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.